We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandek, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Hello welcome into another Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. My apologies for the voice. Uh, this is, as I was telling the guys before we came on air, this is my flu game. Not not quite literally the flu. I tested negative for the flu, negative for COVID. Game time-ish decision on leaving for New Orleans. I think I'm going to try it, but, uh, you know, we'll have a lot to report about New Orleans trips and Who's going, who's not, who's toughing it out, who's not. But we know that DY's there, so uh, I'm sure we can get a little bit of an update on that here as we preview the Sugar Bowl, K-State, and Alabama here on the Three Ma Pod. Now, if you are headed there, um, my God, I hope you're not headed there on a Southwest flight. You might want to change up your plan if so. And if you're doing so, you're probably going to want to drink uh, if you had a Southwest flight to New Orleans. So bust out that Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Uh, bust out that 360 vodka. Brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Make sure that you're checking those out. Uh, we have more people tweeting at us that they tried some over the holidays. People giving it as a stocking stuffer. We'd love to see that. Uh, but it's building, man. People loving the uh, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon and 360 Vodka. So thank you for some great K-Staters helping us out and supporting the pod here. And uh, make sure you're geared up with uh, your Charlie Hustle gear like Cole actually also is. If you're watching on YouTube, he is drinking Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon in a Charlie Hustle K-State hoodie and doesn't he look just grand. Uh, I'm sure Derek would love to say that he looks just grand. Derek just told me I look as pale as the white shirt that I'm wearing. So, Derek, if you have a compliment for Cole that you would like to uh, to throw out here to start the show, uh, this this would be your time. No, I, we were disagreeing off air just about every topic, so I'm not in the mood to, to give Cole a compliment. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're, we're feisty. We're feisty to kick things off here. But uh, check out charliehustle.com. Support the Cats. Check out their K-State merch there as well. Uh, all right. Well, we have somehow come together here uh, as we watch, by the way, the Liberty Bowl at halftime right now. It's 31-13 uh, Arkansas over Kansas. So there's a lot going on. Uh, I, I'm sick. It was uh, a pretty miserable Christmas, to be honest. Like I spent Christmas Day just feeling awful in my bed uh, about five feet away from me over here. 
Derek's already in New Orleans covering the bowl game. He was the lone K-State representative that made it early on for the stuff. Well, Alabama media apparently laughed at us. And uh, Cole has decided not to go to a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to watch uh, the Sugar Bowl in K-State play Alabama. So that's that's kind of the the scene. Would anybody like to offer some opening remarks before we get into uh, the, the typical headlines? Those are like the three ma like crew headlines. Those are the local headlines. We'll get to the national headlines. In I, can, I can stick to the uh, the negative drivel that you kind of begin this podcast with. Drivel? Drivel? <laughs> I guess I'm being very mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, while we can all enjoy a good Kansas loss, and, and maybe they come back and make this a competitive game, I don't know but this would make the Big 12 0-3 to start out the bowl season. Not only that, but Cincinnati and UCF have looked terrible in bowl games. So 0-5, really, if you count those two. Yes. yes. And, and one of those losses being to Air Force. <laughs> that game, though, I mean, can we cut Baylor some slack? I mean, for the love of God, they were playing They were playing in Fort Worth. It was the coldest game in their program history. It was like a negative four wind chill. They're playing Air Force, like a service academy. And, I mean, nothing against but the, the style that you play is just – there was nothing about that that was appealing. Like, I, like, I'm cutting Baylor some slack. It's like Kansas State when they played Navy in the Liberty Bowl in 2019. I want to say that was, um, yeah, it's similar like that. Then you have uh, then you have Mike Gundy getting pissed in the press conference after the game and threatening. What to a D <laughs> Just yeah, don't even get me started about that. That was terrible, terrible from Gundy. Yeah, uh, I would like to state that. My Southwest flight to New Orleans got canceled. I was oh, one of the shut it. Well, I can't. Shut it. <laughs> That's a pretty good defense, though. That's pretty good. I have like three hundred thousand points on Southwest too. This is this is a tough blow. I've been saving all. I've got like ten uh, flights that I could use through them. So, okay. Man, sorry for all the K State fans having to deal with that. It's tough. Well, I guess you can you can use it to fly from uh, Kansas City to Council Grove on uh, on Saturday. Is that an option? That might have to be one of their new options to uh, keep a lot of customers. It's a, a top flight destination, uh, and I don't know. It uh, I'll be I'll have eleven people at the basketball game Saturday night though, so there for Coach Tang. Uh, are they a part of our? Was that a part of our mini ticket package, Cole? That that I bought. I was I meant to check that. It, it was an option, um, but uh, this is actually a game that I didn't include in my, my okay. mini ticket plan. Okay. I, I, I was fortunate. Yeah, I was just uh, Don. Don hooked me up with some tickets, and then uh, Tom hooked me up with some tickets. So I got to give a shout out to both of them. So they're great seats. Okay, awesome. D.Y., how many are we – what do K-State folks think? Or either of you guys? What do, what do we think for expected uh, attendance in, in NOLA? I was told that uh, Alabama will probably have 60% of those in attendance, which seems about right. But uh, someone said I think it holds almost 70,000, and they think there will be 60,000, 65,000 in the stadium. So I'm trying to do the math on that. Like 2025, K State, then 20 to 25? Yeah. Something. I, I'm, math is no good. Okay. I mean, look, it's, it's a what? It's four and a half hours from Tuscaloosa. To New Orleans to drive, and then you know Alabama fans are all throughout the South, so there'll be even some closer. There'll be a lot of Alabama fans in Louisiana, so they, they recruit the crap out of the, the New Orleans area too. So, well, it's, I mean, probably a lot of WalMarts within the vicinity there, so you know, a lot of people can just grab the T-shirt and head on over. WalMarts mm-hmm. flooding into the Superdome. Wow. It'll be uh, it'll be Alabama. Oh, I look. I got to get some semblance of a shot in. I know Cole's been telling me how scary it all is uh, when he looks at the. Well, the Walmart, Walmart's Arkansas. Why? Why? Why, why is Louisiana? I'm, I'm making. I'm making fun of like you know just a Walmart fan. Well, there went uh, 
I was trying to get Walmart as a sponsor, but there went that John. So <laughs> sorry that I killed our, our deal with Walmart. All right. Well, let's get it back on track then uh, with some headlines. This is a pretty big opportunity uh, standing in, in front of this team. I mean, there is no better way to earn respect in college football than to go out and beat Alabama. I suppose just winning a playoff game in general um, would stand very similarly to that. But if you're not going to do that, beating Bama in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl would be uh, as good a way to generate some respect as you possibly can, especially with Will Anderson and Bryce Young playing. Uh, Alabama can still trot out the, you know, we didn't really want to be there excuse, which I'm sure will happen if if it were to go south for them. But, you know, that's lacking some real teeth to it, I think, for a lot of people here. So I'm, I'm seeing the pro- promos on all these bowl games that we're watching, man. There's a lot of, lot of hype, a lot of promotion for this game. It's a big-time opportunity for this team to go back up the Big 12 championship and, uh, and beat – Beat Nick Saban, beat Bama. Yeah, both teams at full strength. I mean, Kansas State's kind of the injury bug has kind of worked out for them in terms of who they lost during the Big 12 championship game. I think it was Echo Boydeau, Malik Knowles, Uso Samalo. All three of those guys are going to be back. Are going to be back. Felix didn't opt out. He could have as well, right? It's not just Alabama. K State had some guys that clearly would, you know, opting out might make some sense for them as well. Deuce Vaughn, Felix Eni, DK Yazama, those guys are going to play. And for Alabama, it's not even just Bryce Young and Willie Anderson. Those those are the what, two of the top three picks in the draft upcoming in April. But Brian Branch might be a top 10 pick. He's going to play. Jameer Gibbs could be a top 20 pick. He's going to play. There's zero opt-outs whatsoever. And, you know, I doubt that there's many bowl games in general. Uh, you could probably count them on one hand that have zero opt-outs. And for the fact that it's the Sugar Bowl between Kansas State and Alabama – I think it only adds to the intrigue of this contest. If you uh, if you look at Pro Football Focus's top 32 draft prospects for the 2023 draft, uh, this game, Alabama and Kansas State, includes four of those top 32. They include Felix, actually. Pro Football Focus, very high on Felix. They have him as the number 23 prospect in the 2023 draft. Brian Branch, the safety for Bama, number 16. And then, obviously, Bryce Young and Will Anderson, number one and number two. But if you look at that, so there are 21 players that are not playing in playoff games whose teams are just in a regular bowl, non-playoff, uh, 21 of those 32, and four of the six that didn't opt out are in this Sugar Bowl. Uh, it's bad luck for Kansas State in a way because, they're. I mean, when do you see the number one and number two picks in the draft or guys of that stature not opt out of a non-playoff game? It's, it's very rarefied air these days. So you could say it's bad luck. You could also say it's a great opportunity Uh, because the storyline of Alabama not caring can be heavily disputed by the fact that they've said they care and their players are putting that on display by strapping up and playing in this game. So it certainly seems significant to Alabama. And John, to your point about the massive opportunity, Mitch actually asked us this question on PowerCat Game Day last night. He actually asked where this game stacks in Kansas State football history stacks up. I'll maybe simplify it for you because I'm curious for your perspective. In terms of bowl games for Kansas State, is this the most significant yes. in program history? Okay, so more than Ohio State and the Fiesta <laughs> in 97. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, we, we can stop to think about that. I I shouldn't answer so definitively. Like, the, I mean, for, first of all, the Cotton Bowl at the end of the 96 season was like a huge deal at the time. Uh, that was still New Year's Day. That was when New Year's Day really mattered. I remember that being a massive deal that K-State was playing in a New Year's Day bowl game against Steve Sarkeesian, BYU, and the Cotton Bowl in 96. So that was that was a huge deal. K-State brought like 40,000 fans to that game. Uh, so at the time, that had a lot of significance. They did lose. 97, 
that was getting to what at the time was an Alliance Bowl, uh, eventually became the BCS, then became New Year Six. Um, that was that was huge. It's just the the opponent, you know. I mean, it was Syracuse, like not a McNabb, but it was not as big of a deal. Now they they kicked the hell out of Syracuse. I actually just watched a replay of that game the other day uh, on YouTube. But so I don't. Ohio State in two thousand three in the Fiesta Bowl was also pretty big. But I I was trying to think of this game in context of like just major opponents that you played. I mean, you've had Oregon, you've had Ohio State, uh, you've had a really down Michigan team in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, but ne- never like a brand like this. So I guess I just kind of view it like that. I think it's in the conversation. How about we say that? I don't know, Cole. I, I can't really differentiate very well between some of those because at the time when the program was just on the come up with Snyder, like we can say now, oh, the significance of if you win this game and prove what you can do without Snyder and it's climbing doing this and all that. Like, yeah, but at the time in 96, like that was a huge freaking deal for that program at that time to be on that new year's day stage and 97 to prove that you could win an Alliance bowl. All those things had a lot of significance at that point in yeah. time. The program was on the initial come up. Well, you could, you could make the argument that the copper bowl too, in context of things in 93 was extremely significant for the program. Cause it was the first bowl game and win for Kansas state football, not the first bowl game, but the first victory and, and how much it meant to this program and taking off. But you know, Ohio state, a brand name. They were ranked seventh. They were 10 and two heading into that Fiesta Bowl, but it, it doesn't have the same feel. And maybe I'm living in the moment here, but Alabama, just uh, not to insult DY because Ohio State has a ton of program history, but just feels a little different playing Alabama at this current time because of what they've done and the recency factor of so many national titles over the last 10 years. The only thing I would, and this, and this is going to sound like I'm defending Ohio State, but I don't mean to, is that they kids they played Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl in 03. Um, Ohio State just won the national title the year before. Alabama technically didn't win the national yeah. title last year. so That's true. That is fair. That's I true. was just about to I'm, – I'm glad you stepped in and reminded me of that. Well, first of all, fraud national title. I mean, that pass interference penalty. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, here we go. Uh, you know um, – also, I was about to step in and just totally sideswipe Craig Krenzel and be like, I'm sorry, dude, like Bryce Young v. Craig Krenzel. Uh, I don't know which one. Oh, yeah. I can tell you which one's striking a little more fear in the hearts of yeah. uh, of men, but uh, sorry, sorry, Craig. Uh, no, I mean it's fair. That was the the one hit wonder of Maurice Claret too. So. Yeah, well, and I still very much lament that Ohio State game because I, I mean, the I, know, well, I, I always yeah. felt like if if L, if the L thing didn't happen, which was just clearly a massive distraction, threw right. everything off. I think I think K State still a really good chance to win that game. Yeah, uh, at least would have been uh, a competitive game start to finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead, K State was always chasing. But that's that's a part of the problem here. Like we talk about the opportunity. How about how about this one? Since we we've kind of hit on storyline number two here already, which is just no opt outs across the board. One thing Cole that strikes me in talking about some of these games is Ohio State. It was like kind of got bombed, fell behind by a couple scores, and were chasing the entire game. What happened when they played Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl? Sean Snyder decided to just pooch it up to DeAnthony Thomas and say, come and get it, and they ran it right back on the opening kickoff and then punched in a two-point conversion, and you were literally playing catch-up the entire game. I'm still fuming about that. I mean, Arkansas, right, when Arkansas was in the top five and they played him in the Cotton Bowl in 2011, got behind, had to play catch-up. Like, they're – there's never. It seems like in these games and these opportunities that that Snyder had, at least, it, it was always like falling behind and then just trying to furiously fight your way back. How about uh, you know maybe maybe not doing that? This well, time. you could you could look also the 2014 Alamo Bowl against UCLA. K State actually got down three touchdowns 
in that game as well and then came back and made it a one score game but you know they were down by i think 24 points at one point in the ucla game and that that wasn't an insignificant matchup i mean both those teams were ranked in the top 15 in america so it was a a very high profile alamo bowl uh it is critical to get off to a respectable decent start in this game so you are not trying to play catch up and abandon your playbook and game plan uh in this game so look uh, I don't know if the answer is to receive right out of the gate against what's a very good Alabama defense, but I, I, I don't know, man. It, it, I'm excited to see what Colin Klein is able to implement from an offensive standpoint, just because three, four weeks to game plan with as much as he's shown and proven this year as an offensive coordinator. And we saw how good they looked in the bowl game last year, even though it was a, obviously an inferior LSU team with so many opt-outs, but still I'm very excited to see what he can implement with Will Howard and Adrian Martinez and you know some some packages that could be included some trick plays i I would expect k-state to run a trick play or two in this game as well you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Well, what'd you scout out of practice, DY? I mean, by the way, that's that's headline number three here. Uh, K-State is healthy, uh, relatively speaking. Obviously, you're not going to get guys like Kobe Savage back uh, who are out for the year, but sounds like Echo's good. Sounds like Malik's good, wearing some uh, wearing some gear on that knee. Sounds like Uso's good. Uh, and then Adrian Martinez has been practicing as well. Uh, what... What we see at practice, what kind of uh, trick plays, what kind of great, uh, you know, packages do we have out there for Adrian? He's playing receiver. Like, what's what's going on, D.Y.? Let us know. Oh, in practice, what we got to see, I got to see them uh, stretching for a good 10 minutes. And then uh, we got to see them huddling in the center of the field for another five minutes. And then I got to see them uh, casually jog to their position groups and do uh, position drills on air for another 10 minutes. And then I was asked to leave. <laughs> I I will never forget. Um, I think this was at. I think this was the Fiesta Bowl. There was a we, we 
Snyder was like not keen on the fact that your bowl games, they like force you to open the first yep. 10 to 15 minutes of practice. For B-roll. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. To let media come in. And I, I just very vividly remember the going out to some high school in Arizona and they're practicing and literally Snyder just as, as if a giant middle finger to all the media, you know, trying to show up and do something. He literally had the, uh, the defensive linemen like playing catch with each other, like a guy going out and running routes. And I think I remember like rolling up there to watch Meshack Williams throw like out routes to somebody. I mean, so that was, that was what, how Snyder handled it. It sounds like uh climate wasn't too different. I actually saw Alabama. I saw a clip floating on Twitter today of Alabama's practice where they had like giant, um, like dividers up to like block you from even seeing what was going on on the field. Like all you could see was like a, a ball popping up. Is that what Cole's trying to show us? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's what I just pulled up because as you were talking about it, there's uh there appears to be some sort of barrier that's uh, blocking their practice. Uh, but you know, Alabama doesn't care, you know, just a sugar bowl. That'll be the, the narrative if they struggle in this game at all, that they didn't care, even though they barricaded off practice, it looks like. That's good work, Cole. That's good narrative building right there. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. I, I did see, to play devil's advocate, I did see a clip of uh, Saban like, doing stretches and calisthenics uh, with the team also out there on the field. So, I don't know. It seemed like he was just kind of messing around. Yeah, he pro- yeah, probably yeah, probably was. So, I, I don't know. The It was just a reporter that had uh, shown that. But I think there might have been some jokes at play in that as well. So, yeah. Well, in all seriousness, D.Y., uh, how can K-State – utilize well first of all any thoughts on the health in general and then on the adrian martinez thing like how how effective can that be trying to actually utilize it yeah i mean on the health front it's just as you said i think they're going to get all those guys back and um i mean no excuses for kansas state either technically right i mean you got what you got right now and you're as full strength as you could be um, so, uh, you know, devil's advocate that they're, they're not going to have any excuses either. They're, they're not a, as talented of a team. That's probably going to be the excuse, um, if they are to fall, but, uh, at the end of the day, um, they got to go out there and stick true to who they are from a philosophical standpoint. I don't think that you want to reinvent the wheel, even though you're going against Alabama, I think you kind of still want to do what got you there, so to speak. I, I, but I struggle with this because. Adrian Martinez had a leg injury. So you know, right. I, I wonder what the mobility is like. If he's 100%, then go for it. I, he, and he probably is closer to 100%. With the, what we believe that injury to be, this is about the timetable for him to make a full recovery. But he's also someone, and I know it's his last college game, so you kind of just throw everything out the door and don't hold anything back. But he's a guy that's got an injury prone. You, you want to protect him a little bit. But at the end of the day, what makes him a special player is his legs, especially this season. I think that's been definitely more so than his arm. And, I, and I'm conflicted about it because I think that he's kind of the X factor almost for Kansas State when you think about what they're going to be able to do from an offensive standpoint. Um, Alabama's a really solid defense. I know I'm not breaking any news by you know sharing that. and But when they have been vulnerable, it's been against the run. And notoriously, through Nick Saban's career at Alabama, the teams that have bit them the most have been teams with a running quarterback. And I just think there's a part of me deep down, and I can't get away from it, that believes that Kansas State's best asset in this game might be Adrian Martinez's legs. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Jaden Daniels for LSU, quarterback, ran for nearly 100 against him this year. Uh, Robbie Ashford, the Auburn quarterback, I think second or third stringer, when they knew Auburn was only going to run the ball, ran for 140 against Alabama. Traditionally, Nick Saban, you pointed this out when we recorded Powercat Game Day, D.Y., that Nick Saban's teams have struggled against dual-threat quarterbacks. So I certainly think there's going to be some plays built in for Adrian Martinez. And you also have the security blanket of having Adrian against what's a physical defense that's helpful you know, in the way you dictate and call plays in this game, just knowing you've got two viable quarterbacks that you can throw out on the field. And, like, I, I told D.Y. this last night and we were talking. I, I would not be surprised if K-State puts both on the field for a play or two and sets up some sort of trick play. You know, Will Howard throwing it out to Adrian, a double pass, set, setting something up like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, if you're in a third and one, third and two, short yardage, it, it very well could be Adrian that goes out there, quarterback two, to give the run threat option of, of Deuce and him. So I think there's a lot of different things, packages that you could implement. And uh, the bottom line is I, I just feel a lot better having two experienced quarterbacks available for this game. Yeah, and and I think there's – I they, the. The Kansas State receivers have probably overachieved by far this year if they had a really good season, but there's a difference between who they've done it against and, and doing it against Alabama's secondary. And you got to wonder what those windows look like for Will Howard. Everyone's a little bit faster. Everybody's a little bit stronger. Everybody's a little bit longer. I just think, you know, almost that neutralizer for Kansas State, and it kind of harkens back to like the Bill Snyder offense, right? You just you try to get the extra blood. I don't know. There's a Barbie that says maybe the best way to win is with Adrian Martinez's well, leg when you're going up against the challenge like Alabama. And, and you know, look, you, you, the more athletes you can throw on the field, the better. And Adrian Martinez is one of the best athletes on the team and one of the one fastest of the players. Athletes, one of yeah. the best athletes in college football. So Yeah, so, you know, I, I think there's certainly going to be several opportunities. And, look, I think we all hope that he gets a, a meaningful moment in this game, something that he can really remember good. forever, uh, a big play that he has in this game. I think we all want Will Howard to have a big game too. I just, I would love for Adrian to have a, a meaningful, significant moment. And what is his first bowl game in his five-year career that he's gotten the opportunity to play in? And we all love Adrian. He's a great team guy, great leader, and uh, just hope for the best for him for everything he's endured and how great he's handled the situation. So really hope he gets a chance to, to make a big play. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say this, the, the season, if you think back to, Beginning of the year, and we've we've talked about it, <clears throat> excuse me, ad nauseum here on this podcast before, but there have been so many twists and turns, right? I mean, what's what's one more gigantic twist here at the end that it's Adrian Martinez that, that winds up being the key in, in beating Alabama or playing a really competitive game with Alabama? I wouldn't shock me just in the way that that this entire season has gone and would would certainly put a really nice bow on the end of the Adrian Martinez story. Not that that's a guarantee to happen or anything like that, but I'm I will say just in the in the month of thinking about it and learning a little bit more about Bama and seeing what you guys have keyed me in on, on how quarterbacks have hurt them. I'm much more open to the idea of like Adrian Martinez being a significant contributing factor here. Whereas I think like right off the high of the big 12 championship game and will playing as well as he did, I was kind of like, all right, I mean, I get it. You're going to try and utilize him if you can, but is this really just throwing a guy a bone here? No, like I, I I'm, I'm buying that there's legitimate reason to try and do it. I'm typically against a two QB system and 99.9% of the time, this seems like one of those opportunities where it might be a benefit to the team in this case. And you'll probably ride the hot hand. I imagine whatever um, path they end up down. And, and, and it's funny because we're talking about this and it just made me think, and in the, the situations are in no way identical, but remember when Skylar Thompson finally got things going in uh, 
it was a 2017 and kind of took the starting job and he rolled into the cactus bowl against UCLA that year. And he had yeah. inspiring. And then he has a terrible first three possessions. Coach Schneider pulls him, and Alex Delton leads K-State to a win over UCLA. It would kind of be similar because you're talking about a run first quarterback. Well, in defense of that, uh, probably a run only quarterback when it comes to Alex Delton. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that that's, that's a good, good poll there from K-State bowl history. I'd forgotten about that, but yeah, that was the Alex Delton game. I'm still blocked by Alex Delton on Twitter and I don't know why. So. <laughs> I'm still blocked by Dylan Edwards. So I'm blocked. I'm blocked by Alex and I'm blocked by Sean Snyder. So I, somehow I am not blocked by Tim Brando. I somehow I'm not blocked not by either. Brando. I was pretty much trying to get blocked by the end of the season, but well, he's a big fan of three mall. So he doesn't Can, look, I watched that YouTube video the other day. Someone did a, a no huddle version of the 97 Fiesta bowl, by the way. So no commercials, no nothing. And I was watching that through and Brando did the broadcast back in 1997. I mean, I've been saying this whole time, like kind of he's lost a step, like all that. I don't know. sounded pretty much the same to me. Still some mistakes, still some stumbling over things. <laughs> yeah, I, you were defending him hardcore. You're like, oh, back in the day, he was really good. Then you actually listen to a call from back in the day. You're like, eh, maybe he I wasn't. Thought, I thought John was actually about to give him a compliment. But I did nope, too. Nope, no. He still sucks 25 no, years it ago. Not, it was not a great broadcast. I was like, eh. Nobody was, you know what? And, and maybe I'm going to like, go back on this too just like you did after going back and listening to a game of this i think what his best quality has been has been in the studio he used to do the cbs studio yeah that's where he's probably supposed to be uh, well, well he, did know, a, he did a talk show for a while too on like cbs sports network um and so i think that's where some of his opinion stuff still comes out but you know yeah some of those opinions whoo boy they are not good not good okay this is the scary part of the pod where we transition to Cole uh, giving us an in-depth preview of Alabama. Let's start with the offense, uh, which does not seem to be nearly as intimidating. The statement that Alabama does not have a draftable receiver on their roster, uh, which was from Matt Miller, uh, if you guys listen to that pod, NFL draft analyst from ESPN, that, that is a shocking statement to me about Alabama. How Saban and this program wound up in that spot. I mean, look, they've got Bryce Young. Uh, Gibbs, the running back, is a star. Like they've, they've got. Don't get me wrong. They've got pieces. They've got dudes, but uh, not like what you think of in years past with like a Devontae right. Smith, Jamison Williams. Like not, not that kind of a dude. Jalen Waddle, yeah, all of those guys um, from lore there in Alabama. Corey Brooks is still a pretty good player. I don't think we should cut him down too much. He's had a solid season. Um, I here's the funny thing. My only comment on that is this. I think it's pretty accurate because I think every draft Nick is kind of saying that about the Alabama receivers, but it cut, it pisses me off here for one thing. I don't, and I don't know why this is like something that's making me really angry. But then if Alabama doesn't have a draftable receiver, then why are those receivers transferring from Alabama that couldn't play behind those undraftable receivers yeah. rated so high in these transfer rankings and going to TCU and Oregon? I don't yeah. – I don't like if they were so good – then why weren't they playing at Alabama instead of these receivers that don't have a draftable grade? Like transfer rankings drive me insane. Well, it's very similar to like recruiting rankings, right? Like Alabama offers a guy like, all right, skyrockets. Like, well, Saban wanted him at one point. He must be great. I mean, I'm with you because they made a pretty big deal with a kid that was going to TCU. Yeah, um, Jojo Earl. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, man, he can't play behind these undraftable receivers. Then is he really that good? Or Trayshawn Holden? I think it's the one that is going to Oregon. I'm like, how do you guys know? Like, well, there might be a reason he's not playing. 
And isn't didn't some of the sites have like Keegan Johnson, K State transfer, ranked like the 70th best receiver? In the yeah, which makes no sense because that's someone that actually has proven quality production at the Power Five level. Yeah, as you mentioned, nearly the Big Ten freshman of the year is true freshman season, and also it doesn't make so sense because of the the schools that were chasing him. I mean, Notre right. Dame, Nebraska, Texas A and M all the power programs that wanted him. And yet, you know, he's ranked around 70th in the transfer portal for receivers. So yeah, it makes, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into those rankings uh, necessarily when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, you guys mentioned the wide receivers. Yeah. When Matt Miller said that, that was a question we were going to ask him was specifically, do they have a draftable wide receiver? And he brought it up on his very own accord and said, this is an Alabama team that doesn't have a draftable wide receiver on their team. Now I think Jermaine Burton is if you go to ESPN's, yeah, yeah, he's a transfer from Georgia. He had uh, nearly a thousand receiving yards in his first two seasons for the Bulldogs. Uh, if you look at like ESPN's grading, they have him as like a sixth, seventh round pick right now, but nobody else uh, in that wide receiver room that is currently projected to get drafted. Jacory Brooks, DY mentioned him, 623 receiving yards, averages 17 yards per catch. That's the leading receiver for Alabama. Uh, the last time they didn't have a thousand yard receiver was 2017. I mean, you think about the one year they had, what, Jerry, Judy, Henry, Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Yeah, Henry Ruggs. And um, Waddle. Yeah, and Waddle. And they've had Devontae Smith. You guys rattled off all the names. You could all go all the way back to Julio Jones playing there for Nick Saban. I mean, they've always had a dynamic receiver. They had Jamison Williams, obviously, um, the last couple of seasons as well. So they have a dynamic talent Amari there. Cooper. The yep, Amari Cooper. Yeah, it, it's the list Jeez. goes on and yeah. on. Yeah, they, they, it's receiver you when it comes to the draft. And some of those guys haven't panned out in the NFL, but a lot of them have. And they don't have that guy this year. And I think K-State in the secondary, like you think about the guys that K-State's played at the wide receiver position in the Big 12, they've gone against better wide receivers than what Alabama has. Quentin Johnston, you think about him at TCU, and he's a projected first-round pick. You think about Xavier Worthy, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, etc. You could go down the list. There's there's better receivers K-State's gone up against in the Big 12, uh, and they've been effective against a lot of those guys. So I, I don't think K-State should necessarily be intimidated by the wide receivers. What I will say is Latu, the tight end, Cameron Latu, he's a six foot five, 245-pound senior tight end. He's got 25 catches for 323 yards. He had nearly 400 yards last year and eight touchdowns. ESPN projects him as a late third rounder. He's a talented weapon. And that's someone case they will have to be cognizant on with the, the safety situation without Kobe Savage and Sincere Mason. And we've seen the, the tight ends get K-State a little bit over the last several weeks um, from the opponents. And then I think one of the other things I'll have to be very aware of is Bryce Young dumping the ball down to Jameer Gibbs, the running back, who actually leads Alabama with 42 receptions. So he's their leading receiver in terms of overall receptions. He's got nearly 400 yards. And then Jace McClellan, their secondary running back, has almost 300 yards receiving. So they throw the ball to the running backs a lot, and Gibbs has over 100 catches in his career, including his two years at Georgia Tech before he transferred into Bama. And Gibbs is a guy that's projected to go in the first round of the draft too. Like if you look at pro football focuses rankings, or I think ESPN, he's projected 20th overall. Uh, he's one of the best running backs in the country. And McClellan is a talented running back as well with over 600 rushing yards. Each one of them is averaging almost six yards a carry. I think Gibbs is over six yards a carry. Uh, and as a team, Alabama, I think, is number five in the country. Yeah, five in the country, averaging five and a half yards per rush. So they can run the football. They throw it to their running backs. I don't think K-State has to be quite as intimidated by the big play. Their receivers have also recorded an 8% drop rate uh, per pro football focus. So 
wide receiver room. They've, they've dropped some balls for Bryce Young. And I don't need to educate you guys on how good Bryce Young is. Like, I know I haven't talked about him a ton, but obviously won the Heisman Trophy in 2021. And over the last two years, nearly 8,000 passing yards, 74 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, completing 66% of his passes. So a very talented quarterback. Um, and overall, this is an Alabama offense that's averaging 3.3 points per drive, which is 10th best in the country. Uh, Brian Freemau's FEI rating has them as the 10th best offense in the country as well. Sack rate allowed 4.2%. That's 25th best in the country. Yards per pass, they're 34th nationally. And yards per play at 6.6, they're 11th best in the country. But here's one thing I wanted to mention, guys, about that Alabama offense. So I pulled Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings uh, of every Alabama opponent they played. And what you will find overall is that K-State has played a tougher schedule than Alabama. In fact, Alabama has only played seven games against the SP plus top 50 K-State's played nine against the SP plus top 50, including two matchups against TCU. But when you look at the SP plus top 35 defenses in the country, Alabama has gone against that offense against the top 35 defenses. There's only four of them. All right. Four defenses. And that is Texas, Texas A&M, Mississippi state and LSU. LSU is ranked 32 in the SP plus best defenses in America in those four games. Alabama produced 98 points combined on 48 drives. That's an average of two points per drive. I just mentioned they averaged 3.3 points per drive on the season, but two points per drive in those four games against the best defenses they faced. For context, two points per drive, the team that has averaged two points per drive on the overall season ranks 82nd in the country in points per drive. So that tells you that's not a good number when they play good defenses. And just for more context, K-State's 16th and the SP plus on the defensive side of the football. So this is one of the best defenses. In fact, if you look at it, Texas was the best defense Alabama played in the SP plus they're ranked 14th. K-State will be the second best defense per the SP plus that Alabama plays this season, Texas A&M third at number 19 in the country. So I wanted to get you guys some positives and uh, hopefully that, that helps provide a little context around that. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. It does, and I, I think it's a fair point. <clears throat> I mean, I was going to make the point, yeah, if you're talking about the schedule, like K-State's played two games against TCU and one against Texas, which I, I think both of those teams are at least like in the ballpark here. I know we we get our cracks in at Texas, but in terms of talent, I mean, that's going to be the closest thing that we've seen, I think, to what K-State has played. Not that TCU doesn't have talent, but I think they're obviously a much more well-rounded team. And, and you do think back to the Bama game, Against Texas. Now, I, I was about to say against Texas without Quinn Ewers, but I'm not entirely sure that that didn't actually help Texas a little bit, that it was Hudson Card and not Quinn Ewers, but I digress. Um, either way, that was a really close game, and it took a heroic play basically by Bryce Young to, to win the game. So it's it's twofold. That gives me some comfort, but it also makes you fear Bryce Young because, like, that's what he does. That play he made where Texas sent, like, a corner blitz at him, and he just kind of shrugged the guy off and uh, worked his way out of trouble to make the play to help clinch the game was special. So there, there's some good and some bad with that. But I think that's that's, that's great context, Cole. Thank you for well, being I know. I do wonder one thing, John and D.Y., in this game is, is how aggressive is Bryce Young? How long does he hold on to the football? You know, there's a lot at stake for him. He's playing. He's taking a risk. You know, if K-State goes after him like they did Max Duggan and puts him on his back a couple times, does he start to rethink how he's playing in that game? I'm not saying he's going to yank himself from the game, but does he become a little more gun shy and start getting rid of the ball, throwing it away a little quicker? I mean, uh, easier said than done getting him on his back, though. I, I I have some worry about what he could do running around, especially after. I mean, look, the last full regulation drive that we saw this defense play was the one where Max Duggan had like 85 rushing yards on I'll the be, drive. So I'll, I'll be surprised if Bryce Young leaves the pocket once, given what's at stake for him. Well, that's not who he is, right, D.Y.? He's not a guy in his yeah. career that's scrambled or tried to, to gain yards off the scramble. You look, he's usually looking to throw when he does move, right? I think, he, I think they yeah. – you could probably count the number of times they, they've ran when it hasn't been like a scramble on one hand. So Can I can I give you guys a, a little bit more context overall about the SP Plus? Let me let me just rattle sure. off let, – let me rattle off overall, not just looking at defense SP Plus, but overall opponents where they rank in the SP Plus. So K-State, for context, is number eight in the country in the SP Plus rankings. Alabama is number four. The best team they played, Alabama, is Tennessee, number five in the rankings. They lost 52-49. to 49. Texas is the second best team they played, ranked seventh. They won 20-19. to 19. Then K-State would be third at eight. Then you look at Ole Miss. They won 30 to 24. Ole Miss is number 14 in the SP plus. They came from behind in that game. They were down 24 to 17 in the second half. LSU, the fourth best team they played, ranked 18th in the SP plus. They lost 32-31. Mississippi State, number 19 in the SP plus. They won that game 30 to 6. Now that was coming off, I think, the LSU loss. Look, that was a foregone conclusion. They were probably going to blow the doors off Mississippi State. Uh, then Arkansas, 29th in the SP plus, 49-26 win. Texas A&M. Now they didn't have Bryce Young in this game, but they're number 39 in the SP plus 24 to 20 victory in that game. I just rattled those scores off because you start to get a feel like against the better teams that they have played, it's a very close game. The majority of the time and K-State will be one of the best teams that they have played. If you look at Alabama overall against the top 50 in the SP plus, uh, which encompasses those seven opponents I mentioned, their average margin of victory combining all those scores in the top 50 is 35 to 30, an average margin of five K state in their nine games against the SP plus top 50. Cause they played a tougher schedule. K state has 
K-State's outscored their opponents a combined 293 to 160, which averages out to a 33 to 18 average margin of victory or 15 points compared to five for Bama. All right. I'm not saying that's not the best way to mathematically go about it, but it does give you a little bit of perspective that this, this is an Alabama team that has inflated their numbers a bit by the bottom teams they have played. They defeated the bottom four ranked teams in the SP plus by a combined score of 207 to 10. Okay. Vanderbilt 55 to three, Utah state 55, nothing Louisiana Monroe 63, seven and Austin P 34, nothing. Good guy. I mean, the SEC, man, I, they've got that scheduling thing figured out. I tell you what, I mean, you know, you roll in Vandy every once in a while. You throw in the late game. I was Austin P. Whichever one of those was late in the year that they played out at the end there. Yeah, it's it's good context. I think the other thing that's just such a such an unknown here is is how much Bama is going to care. Uh, I do think it says something that they got those two guys to play and and others that could have opted out. And I do think it speaks to the culture that they have and what Saban has going on and the fact they can provide them the insurance policy. All those different things matter, but I still wonder what once they actually get out there, if they – and again, Cole, this comes back to getting off to a nice start. Like if they face some legitimate resistance uh, at the beginning of the game, how, how much are they going to care to continue to be yep. really super engaged in all of that? But they've got a good defense. They've got a good defense that could definitely, uh, definitely help out a lot there. And that I think is where I, I worry. You know, Will Howard, the Will Howard offense, as you guys have all outlined, most efficient in the Big 12 when he has been at quarterback. But I don't think – I mean, you tell me, Cole, but I, I don't think there's been anybody in the same ballpark as Alabama that they that they have played this year defensively. Who who would be the closest? Uh, it would probably be Texas. Um, as I, Well, Iowa State is actually the yeah. best. Uh, if you look at the SP Plus rankings defensively, Iowa State is ranked seventh. Uh, in the country, Alabama, I think, is what? They're, they're top six, seven. Iowa State would technically be there, although I, I don't think we could argue that Iowa State has near the talent level uh, that Alabama has on the defensive side of the football. Now, Will McDonald is a heck of a defensive end. You're going up against Will Anderson here, who's the best DN slash edge player in America. They line him up at linebacker, outside linebacker as well. They bring him from all over the field. And Obviously significant that Willie Anderson's playing in this game. That's a guy that had 101 tackles in 2021 to go along with 17 and a half sacks and uh, recorded the most quarterback pressures in college football as a true sophomore last year. This year has nearly 50 pressures. His sack numbers are down a little bit uh, with 10, but he's still a force to be reckoned with. K-State's going to have to divide some extra attention to him uh, and probably chip him quite a bit and have two four eyes on Will Anderson and where he's lining up on the football field. But yeah, I, I think you, you heard Matt Miller say from ESPN on the pod when we had him on a couple of weeks ago that defensively is where the challenge will really be for K-State and trying to score points against this Alabama defense. And, you know, I think you look at them overall points per drive, 1.68 points per drive allowed. That's 17th best in the country. Uh, Free mouse FEI ratings, which is opponent adjusted efficiency, has them as the sixth best defense. Uh, I'm just going to run down the numbers here. Their pass efficiency defense is number eight in the country, and they led the SEC in that category. And they allowed 5.7 yards per pass, which is number three in America. Um, you know, sack percentage, a 9% sack rate that Bama's averaged all year. That's 11th best in the country. 
Third down defense, 30% allowed, ninth in the country. Yards per play allowed, 4.4. That's number four in the country. And then yards per rush, 3.6. That's 27th in the country. But they are allowing five and a half yards per rush over the last three games. And I mentioned Auburn earlier. Auburn's not a good football team. They don't have a good offense at all. Alabama knew they had to line up and run the football with their backup quarterback in that game. And they gave up over 300 rushing yards to Auburn and what was a 49 to 27 win for the tide. But yeah, I mean, I think you can still run the ball against these guys a little bit. It's just, it's a secondary that's got a lot to be reckoned with. We mentioned Brian Branch earlier. He's the 16th ranked player in the 2023 NFL draft. According to pro football focus, he's, he's now a junior. He's only missed two tackles in his career. Uh, there's, there's a lot of experience on this Alabama defense. We mentioned Willie Anderson, Henry Totoa too, 348 career tackles, two years at Tennessee, two years at Alabama. He's ranked as a third round draft pick currently is where he's projected to go. He's inside linebacker for Bama. DeMarco Hellens, four years at Alabama, 248 career tackles, 13 passes defended. Uh, Julian Battle, another guy that's probably going to go in the second or third round, strong safety, 90th ranked player in the draft per ESPN. 243 career tackles, 10 passes defended. And then Eli Ricks, another corner, a transfer from LSU. He was an All-American corner as a freshman for the Tigers and transferred to Alabama. And Dallas Turner, who's the opposite pass rusher, not draft eligible, but Matt Miller told us he'll probably be a first-round pick when he comes out. So, yeah, they, they, they got a lot of dudes on the defensive side of the football, and, and I can't argue that. Uh, K-State's going to have to get creative and figure out a way to score. And, and obviously special teams in games like this plays a huge factor. Now, unfortunately, Alabama is pretty much top 10 across the board in special teams. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a challenge for K-State to get some guys open, separation. But uh, hopefully Malik Knowles is healthy enough that he can help. We know he's going to play, and hopefully Deuce Vaughn can br- break a couple. Yeah, the, the interesting part – about the the matchup defensively there and talking about back to the beginning of of all that when we were talking about the best defenses that K-State has played, it's hard for me to really know what to expect of the Will Howard offense against the defense of that caliber because we just said the top two defenses they played, Texas and Iowa State, that was the Adrian Martinez offense, which clearly just was not as dynamic as what the Will Howard offense was against those sorts of defenses. And then throw in the wrinkle that, hey, you'll actually have Adrian Martinez available too, I mean, that's if I'm going to form some optimism around this, I would say, well, we haven't seen what a Will Howard offense is going to do against defenses that good or of that caliber, best defenses on the schedule. And now you can even sprinkle in a little bit of Adrian Martinez with four weeks of Colin Klein game plan to, to try and get ready to go at him. So yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to spin it a little bit positively here. D.Y., do you have anything to uh, add to all that? No, I've just been listening the last 10 or 15 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry about that, guys. Uh, <laughs> talked a lot there. And, no, uh, it was good, good stuff, man. Great numbers. Uh, 38-13 Arkansas, by the way. And, um, that's, we, if you, well. one of the YouTube watchers are uh, all very aware of the fact that we are watching the Arkansas-Kansas game at the same time that we're talking right now. How do you know that? Have you seen me turn around a couple times? Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've been checking. I think uh, that's... It's not I looking got, good. I got the over 69, so that's what I'm on my edge of my seat for. Uh, you're uh, at 51 with five minutes left in the third quarter. It's gonna be close. You're gonna need uh you're gonna need the second team all big 12 quarterback to uh to pick up his game a little bit. Oh, yeah, trying to throw another pick here. 
Do okay. we have an update on the porta potty situation? Are they holding up okay at the Liberty Bowl? I don't look. Yeah, I it's, was, actually the, it's actually the same ones. They just rolled them in straight from. Uh, oh, they the, shipped them from Lawrence because they had yeah. plenty of the supply. Brought, okay. I mean, I, I thought they just bring them on the equipment truck everywhere they go. I mean, that's just you know, <laughs> make them make them feel at home. I was like really trying to avoid some of those jokes when it first started trickling out, but I was just like every tweet that came out, it was just like, and then I saw the one today that was like a picture of all the porta potties literally lined up there at the Liberty Bowl. I was like, I mean, I can't. I can't not make a joke. Like the joke is literally it's writing low, itself for me. Low, low hanging fruit, but sometimes you got to pick it. Right. So I also had to apologize to Missouri fans um, on Twitter because I, you got them mad, man. You oh, got I riled up the Missouri, which I kind of like doing because I don't, yeah, they're easy. To, it's easy to do, but I thought Kansas would have beat Missouri had that game been played. And as we're seeing, I don't think that's the case. So I yeah. apologize to Missouri for assuming that KU would beat them. Now, Missouri wasn't great, but they still competed against Wake Forest, who's pretty solid. Well, what, what do we what do we make of that? I mean, is this is there a significance to take about Kansas from this? Uh, probably, take that? probably not. Uh, I don't think you can make an overarching take here, but I, I guess my thing is this probably confirms that the team that we saw – the last six of the last seven games is probably closer to what they still were rather than the first five games and that the schedule played a, uh, a large role in how their season uh, unwound. Because even in that five no stretch, right? And I know you were panicking, Kurtz. Um, but, uh, Boy, I was. <laughs> but was their best win against Duke? Like, I, I, I think, you know, it's funny. At the time, I thought that was like the one team they play where I was like, well, those guys definitely suck. Uh, that was not a good – and now here's Duke, a nine-win team by the end of the year. So I was like, okay, I guess that was that was the impressive one. Yeah, um, I mean, they have a better win than Penn State. I mean, me and Cole kind of joked at Penn State on PowerCat Game Day. Penn State sucks. Every Penn, year, Penn State Penn just Penn, feasts Penn State, Penn on State's the bottom 10, of the Big Ten. Yeah, they're 10-2, they're and two, and their best win of the year was week one against Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, here's the the only takeaway I really have from this for for Kansas is I, I I've it drove me crazy the the you know the fact that that Jalen Daniels wound up on like the month one Heisman list you know and, and people just ran with that after his injury to me it was like look guys the the, the offensive coordinator is just elite they have a great offensive coordinator who's scheming things up he made Jason Bean an effective quarterback I. Let's ease up on the Jalen Daniels thing. It, it's Kotelnicki. And there's a reason Kansas is now paying him a million dollars. He got a raise to be a million-dollar coordinator. It's because he's freaking great. Like, Jalen Daniels, I think, is fine. I think he's he's above average to good, but he's not had a great game. He's he's now healthy. I mean, there's no excuse about him not being healthy anymore, none of that. Like, it's – I just – Kotelnicki's the guy. Jalen Daniels is okay. He's fine. Kai Thomas, two touchdowns tonight now. This wow. is a game, guys. It's a game. 38 to 20. <laughs> 38 to 20. All right. We got to get into my uh, quick hitters here, and uh, we may need to uh, to hustle a little bit through these. But first, we we have to start off with uh, the fact that, um, Derek, I'm going to assume that you didn't read the outline. Uh, Cole, Cole did, you, did you read through all the outline? I did. Derek cost himself some money not reading the outline. <laughs> Derek did literally cost himself some money because my first quick hitter says – if Derek actually reads this and mentions it to me, I'll pay him $10. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Nailed it. <laughs> this, this is proof that it's not a bit to the people that think we just do it for a bit. I literally, like, and it's probably a slap in the face for the guys, for Kurtz and Mitch that actually put in the work and do that stuff. But I just, I'm like, I just do everything but a seat in my pants. I mean, the outline's mainly for me because I've, I'm the one that's got to be traffic cop. But I I did thought I would uh, throw that in there and so it surprised you a little bit. Yeah, it's not a bit. I, I look, I... I have I spent enough time moderating my message board, so <laughs> I, I I get it I get it you boy you got a lot of work to do there. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, more surprise. I'm going to go back to the Big Twelve Championship game a little bit here for whatever reason. I was thinking about this last night. More surprising for the Big Twelve Championship game: RJ Garcia with a touchdown catch or uh, Keenan Garber playing corner without major issues. Uh, Garber, like, like that dude was playing offense like three weeks before that. That it. Look, RJ Garcia, that's still kind of surprising, but if a guy goes out, he he's the next receiver, so you could kind of justify it a little bit. And plus, we're right, I mean, before the season, and I get it because they don't rotate as much at, at receiver now with that board and Colin Klein, but um, there was a lot of people still hyping him up in the offseason, and they still are. They think he's going to be the breakout guy next year. So I think you can kind of make sense of that one a little bit more. I think it's definitely Keenan Garber because – you know, he's playing wide receiver, you know, his entire career up until three weeks before that game. And and then also got to think, it's like, not only is he not played any corner, like he hasn't really played at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, it's Garber for me. And because we hadn't even talked about Keenan Garber the entire year on no. the show or anything. We never mentioned his name once. I don't even think uh, John and I, I don't think we even knew he had moved a corner. Like until we saw him on the field and we were asking well, the guys next to us. Well, no, I, so I knew, but I had forgotten. Yeah, I remember Derek, like Derek had reported it, but I, I had totally blanked that out of my mind until we're panicking being like everybody in our section was looking around like, who the hell is, is 35? Like who the hell is 35? Like, yeah. and, and, and when he moved to corner, I was like, oh, maybe that can shift his career. Right. Cause it wasn't really working for him at receiver. And I was like, Oh, that'll maybe we'll see how it looks. I was thinking maybe like in a year or two, not like two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we hear Chris Kleiman after the game in the press conference say that Jacob Parrish uh, was dinged up or had something going on that week leading up to the TCU game in the Big Field Championship and that they had – Garber had just been with the scout team. And the Thursday before the game is when they actually had to move him to the first-team defense to just be an emergency corner. And then in the first quarter, he's in the game. Yeah, I mean – uh, uh, Echo got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yes, that is the answer. And the fact that it was such a sweet touchdown catch and in a huge spot and a TD catch when we really hadn't seen him do much to Garcia except just throw a really ball, short. That was the surprise. Yeah. That was the high point of the ball perfectly. I mean, that's a great catch. It was. It was It was incredible. Uh, okay. So, kind of a dream scenario here in case they go into the sugar bowl bowl game. You never played in new Orleans place. You've never been for a bowl playing Alabama and never played them. Uh, the standard in college football dream scenario here, but outside of this, if yeah. you could craft another dream bowl scenario uh, for K state to play opponent and bowl game, what would it be? I'll tell you what mine would be. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. If you need a little inspiration, mine would be, to get to play Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl, which I realize would have to be like in a in a semi, but let's just smash all of the stuffy college football tradition that I hate in one. I was going to uh, say, why do you want to go to the Rose Bowl and you hate the Rose Bowl? Because I want the Rose Bowl to have to be 
have to deal with the fact that stupid little old K-State is coming in to play the game between the mountains with the sun shining in on, you know, the whatever valley and blah, 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 blah. And this has been played at 4.30 Eastern time every year since, you know, no, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. I will say that uh, the the only thing that's spectacular about the Rose Bowl is actually getting to cover it. So especially if you were in a, still in the media, that would be your favorite bowl to cover because their hospitality. And it's nothing against the Sugar Bowl because the Sugar Bowl so far, I would say this is probably the second best hospitality that I've ever had a bowl game with. They've been at nine or ten now, um, nine or ten different ones. And Sugar Bowl comes in at number two. But there's a huge gap between the Rose Bowl and everything else. And it's not even close. So if, if as a media type, I'd love to go back to the Rose Bowl. It was my first wow. bowl game, and I got spoiled because you literally get the $300 prime rib. You're going to the Staples Center for the media party. You're going to Disneyland. You get to watch the Lakers. You get, I mean, you get wined and dined every single day for around the clock for eight days. They put you in the penthouse of a downtown L.A. hotel. Well, D.Y., I covered a 2009 K-State UCLA game at the Rose Bowl. All right, so I think – I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> that was uh, Rick Neuheisel versus Bill Snyder in his. Oh, love Rick Neuheisel. Rick Neuheisel is a podcast guy now. Um, he, he was on Sirius XM Radio. He's actually pretty good. I actually like him. Uh, listening to him. Uh, All right, you guys have had plenty of time. I need I need an answer here. I mean, Notre Dame with the Rose Bowl is pretty good. How about the Las Vegas Bowl? Because that seems like it's starting to escalate in like um, status. So I would say the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> Do I want the Vegas Bowl? <laughs> I was just laughing. <laughs> well, I know that means like your fifth place in a conference, but just in general, I mean, I, I know it's not like a dream scenario for Kansas State, but for me, yeah, <laughs> I'm a selfish bastard here. I want to go to the goddamn Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, I, have you guys ever seen me mad about not getting to play Notre Dame in a bowl game? Is that a sensitive topic? Yeah, are you trying to go uh, back to the, right. Are you trying to go back to the Camping World Bowl? Yeah, but that, just that's not, where not we were to go. I, I could do without Orlando, Cole. Like maybe just yeah. put it somewhere better. I almost dropped the F bomb there. I, I would I in. would like to experience the uh the Rose Bowl. Uh the Rose Bowl sweet. I, I, I've never been, but I've also heard the Orange Bowl actually kind of sucks. Yeah, you know, as I think like Kansas State's been in the cotton. Now they're gonna have been in the sugar, they've been in the fiesta multiple times. It's really it's the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl that they won't oh, have peach. been in. Peach Bowl and the cool. Peach Bowl, yeah, and I always enjoyed watching the Peach Bowl. I would you know, say, growing yeah, up. all the remaining uh, near six, I, I would say Peach and Rose. I, I would uh, say through the Orange Bowl. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, I really like John's comp to Notre Dame because as you actually think about the history of Kansas State football, guys, Kansas State's faced a lot of the brand names now, either in the non-con or in the the bowl situation. And, and I know not all of them were. Michigan, Alabama, yeah, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Yeah, Michigan wasn't the same Michigan that you're used but, to, right? K-State played USC in a non-con game. Twice. You, yeah. they, played, they played UCLA several times. They played Miami. They played Ohio State. You get to play Ohio Texas State. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, oh boy, UCLA, UCLA owes you a Christmas card for including yeah, that. Yeah, why did you put UCLA in the group? <laughs> well, I, I only include UCLA because of a long time ago. I mean, I don't I would know. say I should... uh, the only ones left are like Tennessee. Uh, well, I mean, they played they Tennessee played in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, well, what about yeah. Florida, Florida State? I know that they've dropped off, but yeah. you, I grew up, I will always think of Florida State as a blue blood just because we grew up me in the too. 90s. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right, we got to. We got to mosey on through here. Uh, Avery Johnson now in the fold, right? Big signing class. You guys heard the uh, the signing day shows. 
Who wins more games as a starter in their career at K-State, Avery Johnson or Will Howard? So Will Howard currently has seven wins as a starter, two years of eligibility left, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with young Avery in his K-State career. What what would you put the uh, – who would you put as the favorite there? I would say Avery because I imagine him starting at least two full seasons and, and probably with at least – you know, some moderate success in, in the first one and then an elevated success in the next one, maybe a third year. But I don't know that it'll take him because, look, you said Will Howard's at seven. Let's – so you go – let's say he goes in an extra with seven. Like, I, I think nine is maybe what I would still say is a potential ceiling for next year. So that's 16, right? And and I don't know that he stays another year because that I mean it's four years of college thing. I don't know that it's a certainty. And and then you got Avery who who potentially plays three seasons. So I, I think it's Avery. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going for Avery. Um not rooting for Avery, but just going with Avery. Uh for a lot of the, the circumstances that you outlined, because I, I think you know, there's a real opportunity that if Will Howard has a great year next year, I mean, I don't, I don't know what his draft outlook is. We'll, we'll look yeah. into more of it, but you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know what his evals will say, you know, heading into next season or his next season goes on because I don't know what his arm strength would grade out as. We know he's an extremely smart quarterback. That's uh, he's, be the bugaboo, I think, would be the arm strength. Yeah, he's got the he's got the size. Right. He's big. He's tall. You can see over the line, and then he's got the the IQ for sure. Oh. It's just going to be about the the arm strength, and uh, we'll see. You know, I I don't know, but I I'd go with Avery just because I think Avery's going to probably have three seasons as a starter here at K State. I would imagine Will Howard's draft out draft outlook is probably regardless of what year he comes out in the Skyler Thompson neighborhood. Yeah, and that we'll see. That's why I I think there's a better likelihood than you guys are giving it of him playing that last year out. Um, and there's just, I mean, look, I, I don't, you always have to worry about, I know Avery has not shown any indication of being that guy at all, but in today's day and age, uh, you know, little, it, it could get dicey in there. I, I would probably still gun to my head, go Avery, but I think it's, I think it's pretty close. I, I well, seem to give a little more credence. I, I probably, probably is. Avery, it's just, let's say Avery gets the three seasons though. It's probably going to be more than Will's three, just because two of his or he's had so many few wins and a couple because he's just had so many abbreviated seasons already. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Cause I mean, you're right. Will, Will has proven to be incredibly patient at Kansas state. So there's no rush for him to go to the pro. I mean, I think he values education and certainly could, could stick around two more years here. If you were to play two more years, what do you get me? Let's, let's take the a conservative answer and say he wins 15 more 15 and seven's 22. Uh, who wins more games the next three years, Dion or Matt Rule? Colorado, Nebraska, rivalry going on there. How many years? Next three years. So I guess you have to keep in mind. I guess Dion could take a different job at that point. I think. Yeah, I also want to keep in mind that I don't think Dion's going to win that much right away, just given what the roster assembly is at Colorado. Whereas I know Nebraska struggled kind of mightily, but. I, Look, rules. The one thing rule does, he's he can coach coach his butt off. Um, not necessarily the greatest recruiter, even at Baylor. He kind of does it a different way. I think he can have more success early than Dion, and that probably uplifts him in the win category. 
I'll take rule just because I'm not a Dion guy. So DY knows this. I railed on Dion last night. So he ate some, but uh, recruiting wise, Dion's a better recruiter. Matt Rule's a better coach. Matt Rule has more success early, and that's probably the differentiator. I mean, I think Dion's wildly entertaining. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he seems to be getting dudes. Um, He's I, too, man. The thing is, people think he just runs like a wild, like uh, chaotic undisciplined program and the one thing about him is he's actually the most discipline oriented and strict coach that there might be in college football all right you know what screw it. i'm gonna say dion i'm gonna say dion i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on the ledge and uh and say dion there see matt rule gets uh sucked back into five and six win land with uh mm. nebraska uh finally real quick here we, we've already discussed this a little bit but more on brand for for kansas a recruit pulling a wild stunt to announce his commitment to ku over k-state even if he didn't really have an offer, or porta potties uh, being used at the Liberty Bowl because of water issues in Memphis. More on brands. The for the porta potties. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's because that's all, it's kind of become a symbol of KU football. That's the best. Uh, I go with I'll, just to be different. I'll go with the uh, the Jaden Ham thing. Look, it's uh, uh, it's one thing to do what he did, but then when I mean to present it as if you actually had a choice and an offer from Kansas State and could have chosen them, that's that's what's more irritating. So uh, to toss the K State hat when you don't even have a choice and couldn't commit to K State if you wanted, that's that's an annoyance. Sure is, sure is. Hey, speaking of, you guys see uh, KU lost their their quarterback who's going to go play backup to Shador Sanders at Colorado. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Lead pipe lock of the week time. I, I, I'm not even really requiring one here because the contest is over. Derek didn't even respond to me with whether or not he got his last lock right, but it actually doesn't even matter. Because, I don't remember what it was. Because he won either way. He was seven and five going into last week. I finished at six and seven. Cole finally got up the schneid and uh, picked one right and got five and eight. But uh, we, we were sterling, absolutely sterling this year. So DY, uh, this is your chance to take a bow for your uh, incredible work. I want to game. spike the football even more. Cole, do you remember what my lead pipe lock was? Uh, you might have had. Did I take USC in those? Yeah, you did. You picked USC. That's right, because yeah. I told you I liked it and wanted to take a three-team parlay, and you guys told me to shut up. So, Yeah, it, there's two that I really, really like, So, and I'll be quick because I know you want to get out of here. Iowa – or not Iowa, UCLA minus five and a half. If if Because if DTR is definitely playing – um, I really like that. I also like Utah minus two and a half because, as I said before, Penn State I don't think is very good. Uh, Utah wants redemption in the Rose from last year, the way they lost to Ohio State. So I love both of those, but I'll go Utah as my official pick because yeah. I know wants UCLA. Yeah, uh, you did. How did you know I wanted UCLA? But I just saw your reaction. Your yeah, I was gonna, yeah, yeah, I was going to take UCLA against Pitt and the uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Always one of my favorite bowls to watch uh, in El Paso. You know, mm. beautiful setting. The only you bull know. game on CBS. Yeah. So. How how is nobody, dude? Washington plus three against Texas just feels like free well, money, man. I don't like because Texas. I saw you picked it on the outline already, so I couldn't take it. Uh, te- Texas, okay, good. Uh, I'm glad I'm not because I'm like Texas. This is the third time in four years they've been in the Alamo Bowl. They do. They're not going to care. They don't have Bijan. They don't have Roshan Johnson, the number two running back. Demario Overshone's not playing. Washington is coming off of it. They had a horrible season last year. They bounced back at this great year. Michael Penix is coming back. He's playing in the bowl game. He's a tremendous quarterback, like probably a Heisman favorite for next year. One of them. Uh, they're going to be pumped up and excited for this game. They're playing a brand name team in Texas too. I don't, I mean, you told me it opened at six. Good Lord. Someone could have given me six. 
uh, to take with Washington there. I mean, give me that in a heartbeat. I, I do not see Texas winning that game. We have arrived yeah, here at, at, at prediction time. Uh, anybody want to start? Anybody going to be gutsy enough to uh, no. to, to pick K-State? No. Uh, pick K-State to cover? Maybe, D.Y., let me finish the sentence, to cover? No. Okay. All right. Well, what's your prediction then? I got third. I already made it, so I'm going 31-16, Bama. I think, I think Kansas State plays it competitive for three quarters and just kind of gets away from them a little bit in the fourth quarter. It might be a little bit more than that, but I played it conservative just because I, I hope it's a competitive game. I just, uh, I, I worry that they don't have enough offensive firepower to really stick with them. I think their defense can can hang a little bit, and and then the dam ultimately breaks in the fourth quarter. The, the X factor, like I said, if they can find a way to really get the ball rolling on the ground, I think that's the way Kansas State can win. But I have Bama 31-16. John, why don't you go? I'll pull seven up front. Okay. Uh, Cole's working on something there. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly similar to DY. I have Bama 27-17. Uh, I hope that it's at least – like not the falling behind. Cause when I hear 31, 16, I'm trying to remember what that Arkansas score was in 2011 in the cotton bowl, but that seemed like in that vein. And I was like, oh, I just don't want another game where it's fall behind by two scores and then, and then play catch up or whatever. I hope this is more like a one score game in Bama with a touchdown late to clinch it. But yeah, I, I am, I am less optimistic about K-State's offense really getting uncorked here. So I'll, I'll say Bama 27, 17. What we want is interesting. We don't want the game where it seems like Kansas State has zero chance for ninety percent of it, right? Yeah, correct. Why don't Why don't I bring you guys back to September twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two? On the road, and I think they won at the number six team in the country. So any of you paranoid Kansas oh, State fans, oh, let's. That feels like a personal shot at me. Uh, you know what? That is a personal shot at you. Anyone that was paranoid about the Kansas Jayhawks, let it be known. That Kansas State is still the power in this state. The, the college football runs through Kansas State. So, do I need to, do I need to get you Robert Stein? Like, a- boys, who would I be <laughs> to pick against the premier college football program in America? College football runs through Manhattan, Kansas. I know I may have picked on Power Cat Game Day when we recorded last night. Dy, I picked <laughs> Alabama, but I have had a change of heart and the Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon has helped influence the confidence in the Wildcats. College football runs through Manhattan, Kansas. Kansas State, 31. Alabama, 27. Cole, so confident in the Cats that he wouldn't even travel to New Orleans to go watch it. Uh, Because I'm going to be smoking a cigar on (laughs) Aggieville, a.k.a. Bourbon Street of Kansas. On Uh, Aggieville. Yeah, in Aggieville after Kansas State also knocks off West Virginia in basketball that night. And I'll be sending you guys video of the scene like I had to watch videos of when I was in Salt Lake City covering the the win over Xavier to go to the Elite Eight. And I saw those videos in Aggieville. And while the game was a hell of a thing to witness in person, I was a little FOMO of not being in Aggieville for that that scene. That looked like a hell of a time. That's what I'm going to be sending you guys when I'm partying in Aggieville on Saturday night. Okay. Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, look, that was a blast. That was one of my best memories uh, from college was running around Aggieville with a Jacob Polo jersey, uh, you know, waving it like a, like a bandana or something above my head. Uh, that was a fun time. It's a fun time. All right. It's going to do it. K-State and Bama. You heard you heard the man. K-State's beating Bama. Uh, college football runs through Manhattan, Kansas. 
It's a great callback, Cole. Great work. Uh, appreciate the work of uh, Jordan Foot behind the scenes, getting us on here tonight for Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck. I'm John Kurtz. Rock your Charlie Hustle. Drink your Ben Holiday bottle and Bond bourbon. Support Holiday Distillery, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.